0: As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. How do you do in cold weather?
1: I do all right. I've been kind of staying inside just... Because I haven't been back that long, well, six months now. But so I really haven't been out. I'm afraid to get the flu.
0: Oh yeah, you're still baby, infant immune system.
1: Yeah, I've been going to a hematologist, and they said my numbers are looking good. So wonderful. I shouldn't get sick. Hopefully, I won't. My wife had the flu for four or five days, and I didn't get it, so.
0: Wonderful. Whatever you're doing is is a good thing, right? Yeah. So I'll just take a minute to say welcome, Craig. Thanks so much for agreeing to share your story on the podcast.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So tell us more about how you even came to find out about HSCT, and if you're so near to Chicago, why you chose Mexico.
1: Well, I had heard about stem cell stuff a few years ago when I first started uh, declining. So then I was researching that and the stem cells seemed to be the way to go. And then I seen a, a lady on YouTube and she was like talking about the stem cells and how it worked for her and she also had MS. But she was talking about how she had to have it redone every three, four years. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good, but I really can't afford to have it done all the time. As I continued to research, then I learned about the chemo, which was kind of a scary thought at first, but... As far as I was concerned, I'm still young. I mean, I'm only 34. I wasn't willing to just give up.
0: Good for you. There's no sense of laying down with the disease, right?
1: No. No, because I lost a lot quick. I mean, my vision got bad. My speech was terrible. My walking was bad. I couldn't uh, stand on my feet for more than a couple minutes.
0: Goodness, very aggressive.
1: But, yeah, and it, it happened quick.
0: So, when were you diagnosed?
1: Uh, I was diagnosed in 2010.
0: Okay, same year as me.
1: I, I had optic neuritis. First. Okay,
0: so that was that first signal.
1: Did you have yeah.
0: did you have symptoms leading up to that bout of optic neuritis?
1: Uh no. Not that I didn't notice anything when I uh first went to a doctor, he said after looking at my reports that I probably had MS for ten, fifteen years. Wow. I really didn't have any symptoms
0: that's amazing
1: it's weird how it came so fast
0: oh my gosh i learn so much every time i interview someone who has ms because even though the diagnosis is the same the experience with the disease is so unique so thanks so much for sharing your story
1: absolutely
0: and so diagnosis in 2010 and then like what treatments did you try, and how did they go for you with this aggressive form of MS?
1: Um, I was on Copaxone for a few years, and it it worked. It, it, I didn't uh, I didn't have no side effects from it, and uh, nothing advanced. But then I stopped taking it because. The injections, I, I worked in heights, so I had to wear a safety harness, and I would have wealth from the injection. Hmm. And I guess at that time, when you're not having any uh, problems, it's it's easy to say, oh, I don't need medicine, sure. so I just stopped.
0: What were your next steps? Did you end up having a relapse?
1: Yeah, I uh, I stayed on the Copac zone for a while, and then things got worse. And then my eyes started acting up and uh, the fatigue a lot. So I quit what I was doing. I was a union carpenter, and I built a lot of scaffolding. So I quit doing that because... Really wasn't safe to be a pioneer. No. So I, I, I was off for probably a year or two, cause my symptoms got so worked so bad, and then I, I went and worked for a. I worked in the sheet metal shop of a place that made popcorn machines. They actually invented the popcorn machine in the 1800s. Wow.
0: How about that?
1: Uh, it, I liked it. It was, uh, it was definitely different from what I was used to, going from construction, working outside, and then working inside.
0: Sure, but they had a role that you could fulfill despite some of the issues that you were having with your disease.
1: Yeah, and everything went away for... Couple of years, and I was fine. I was working. I was content. I wasn't taking any medicine, and then it just hit me out of nowhere. Like it was uh it was about an hour drive to work. It was kind of by O'Hare Airport where I was working, mm-hmm. and um, I rode to work with two guys that i grew up with and i was driving and all of a sudden on the expressway i started feeling weird and it was uh it was kind of chilly out but i rolled all the windows down and i felt like i was gonna pass out and then it went away and i was like hmm, that was weird and we were somewhat close to work and we got there at 6, but I didn't have to start until 7. So I told the guys that I rode with, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to wait in the car and then go in at 7. Well, at 6.30, then I was like, all right, I tried to go in. And it took me a, a half an hour to walk from my driver's side door to the back of my truck. I was like, "Uh, oh, some ain't right. Oh. So I haven't worked since.
0: Wow. Wow. So what did you do that day? Like you got to the back of your truck. Did you make it into the building?
1: Uh, I went back to my truck and then my wife came out there and picked me up.
0: Yikes. So you must have been freaking out.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: I would have been freaking out. I would have been like, what is going on?
1: Yeah, I had no clue. When I went back to the neurologist and explained to him what was going on, and they sent me for MRIs, and they realized, like, stuff had... I had new lesions. Stuff had gotten worse. So then I I started on uh, a new medicine, Texadera. and I was on that for... Probably a year. And I I didn't care for it. I had a lot of side effects with it. But everything kept progressing. So wasn't doing its job.
0: Right. I had the so, same experience on Tech And I,
1: I my mom's cousin has uh MS and she did great with Tech Federa. Yeah. And so we were seeing the same doctor, so I was hopeful it would work, but it definitely didn't. So I went back to the neurologist, and um, that's when I started researching about the stem cells.
0: And so it sounds like you found information about the mesenchymal stem cell treatments, right? So I consider that like a Band-Aid for... Some kind of healing to occur, but you mentioned that in your research, you found this person was looking to repeat it like every three to four years. Yeah. Which does not sound like HSCT. So how did you find out about HSCT?
1: It popped up online. And I wasn't, at that point, I really wasn't even, uh, I was just looking for an answer because all the everything from the doctors they kept saying, Well, this medicine might work and it might help. I couldn't get no definite answers. I'm like, I'm a little young to not be able to walk or see so well.
0: Sure. So when was this in your timeline?
1: Um probably two thousand sixteen. Okay. So then I, after I learned about the HSCT and realized that's the way I was going to go, they were uh, doing it at Northwestern, uh, Dr. Burt. So I went there first and he accepted me. Everything was good to go. And then we had issues with my insurance.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: So, It took a year to get the insurance figured out. And when I went back, then Dr. Burt said that uh, everything is advanced too much. Mm. So I didn't fit the criteria.
0: Oh, my gosh. How did that feel?
1: Uh, That was pretty crappy. Not good.
0: No. Devastating.
1: Yeah. My... uh, My parents were and my wife were super devastated. I was—I mean, it was tough to hear, but I still had hope that it was gonna get better.
0: Well, you have to, as the patient, right? Like that's what carries you forward. Yeah, especially when you hear that you can't. Go through with it in basically your hometown, right? yeah, that's just horrible that insurance took so long
1: yeah and i I kept the research I didn't completely give up hope yet, and um I went to uh Houston for a seminar for Dr. Ruiz from Mexico, okay, and my wife and parents went with. After that seminar, then my mind was made up to go to Mexico. I was a little weary, you know, just uh, the stereotype of going to Mexico for treatment was kind of scary, but after the seminar and I met, the doctor and a few other doctors, I was so, And they were real helpful through the whole process of getting signed up.
0: Sure. So how long did it take then between like the time you saw them in seminar and decided to go for it? How long did it take then for you to get to Mexico?
1: It was only a few months.
0: Wonderful. Did insurance come through this time?
1: No. I had uh, my parents and my wife's family through some benefits to raise money. And then um, my grandfather helped, too, to cover it. So we raised enough money and all together to pay for it.
0: I'm so sorry that you had to that you had to take that route, right? But so glad that your family was able to come up with the money to support you.
1: Yeah, that was huge. I'm very uh grateful for the support. I couldn't imagine having uh go through all of it without the support. My family's been Super supportive from my immediate family, my mom and my dad and my brothers and my wife, but then extra family. My mom's brothers and sisters helped out my wife's family, so I've had a lot of support.
0: That's so helpful. I,
1: yeah it makes a huge difference
0: oh my gosh and I just have so much compassion for those people that don't have the support or a large family that even has the means to support you know so many people even do have the family or connections and community to support them but maybe they don't have the means either and it's just to me it's a tragedy that insurance plays such a huge part in determining whether or not we get the care that we need in the time that we need it.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I when I I had a conversation with the lady from the insurance company on the phone when they told me they weren't going to cover it and I said, "You have no problem taking our money every month and now I need something and you don't want to help." I understand the whole process is still new, but still, I mean. Yeah,
0: when the doctors say that it's the prime time for you to receive a treatment, the doctor should be the one making that decision or recommendation, not the insurance companies.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy, like, uh, they've already saved tons of money on it, cause I haven't been on any medicine since I've had the treatment. So it's like they're already saving money.
0: Yeah, they sure are. So how did it go in Mexico?
1: Pretty good. I was uh, I was impressed with how that whole system worked out. Like, when we first got there, I was kind of in the haze. Things were getting worse. The brain fog was real, real bad. Until I had uh, chemo, it was like a blur, everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember getting there, and that was my first time on a plane and whatnot, I remember all that, but it was I was just kind of on cruise control. Sure. I just wanted to get started,
0: sure and then what happened after that like what did you notice after that first dose of chemo uh,
1: the brain fog it didn't go away completely. I still have a little bit now but it got so much better. Just after the first chemo treatment, I, was, I couldn't believe it. And another patient that was there, he also had um, brain fog, and that was his biggest concern. And he was he made music for a living but he said he hadn't made it in a year because of the brain fog. But after our first chemo treatment when we came back to the place we were staying, I seen him uh with his headphones and his laptop. And I was like, Oh, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making a song. I was like, already? He's like wow. Yeah he's like we had one treatment, and then, uh the brain fog was starting to clear up. He's mm-hmm. like, I can think again.
0: That's so incredible. And
1: I definitely, I definitely noticed that, too.
0: Yeah, it's such a hard thing to describe for anyone that's not experienced brain fog, right? It's definitely one of those invisible symptoms until it becomes visible when, say, you can't make music or something, and other people start to notice, but to explain that clarity that suddenly occurs after just that first dose. Like I had the similar finding that clarity and the lifting of some of that brain fog. And I was also able to move my toes for the first time in a, in many, many years. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. It was weird. I almost felt like, uh, I was dumb before, like my brain just, didn't work. I couldn't. The simplest things were hard to put together, mm-hmm. but that came back right after the first treatment.
0: Wonderful. What else did you notice?
1: Um, My walking got better. My speech was better. I noticed um, while I was Waiting to get in an elevator at the clinic, and my wife said, "Oh my God, your gait is much better because my balances was terrible. So I would spread my legs real far apart when I walk so I didn't fall. Sure, but they were much closer. Not perfect." But better,
0: sure, and you are just now six months post is that right? Yes, yeah, so continued improvement, I believe, is on your horizon,
1: yeah, things have definitely are still getting better. I've been doing uh physical therapy since I came back they've been I've been having them they've been coming to the house and my walking has gotten a little better and like when i first came back i couldn't turn around without holding on to something so i wouldn't fall but now i can Mm. so it's slow but it's happening
0: right and that's what matters yes and that's i keep telling myself you've got years of damage that was incurred, that you need to take time to reverse. It's not just going to be instant, right? I think it's yeah, time.
1: Yeah, that's the, probably the hardest thing to realize is you need patience. Yes. Because you're not just going to get better overnight. And I'm kind of pushy. That's what I want to happen, but I realize it not going to work that way. It takes a lot of hard work.
0: It really, truly does. And part of that work is finding the patience. Yes. So I'm curious, why was it important for you to participate in the podcast?
1: Um, I wanted it to spread the word. I think it's important for people to know that there could be an answer. I understand it doesn't work for everyone, but if there's a chance it'll work, it's good to, to know that there is hope, and not a lot of doctors will tell you about it. Right? Because it's still it's still new, and it's. It is risky, but I don't know. I th- I feel like an an answer is necessary. So I'd like to, uh, if anyone else feels the way I do or did, to know that there is an answer. Things could get better because mm. they just, I got so sick of hearing, oh, it might work. It might get better. No, that is kind of unacceptable. The
0: drugs seem like a roll of the dice. They work for some people, but other people they just don't work for.
1: Yeah, because I did uh, steroid infusions also multiple times, and they really didn't help. And none of the medicine I ever took helped. Well, the Copaxone was... Doing its job keeping it at bay at the time, but once it advanced, it it wasn't preventing anything or.
0: It wasn't going to be slowed down. I think it's important to share the story of going to Mexico because now in the United States, the only protocol available is myeloablative, which is a bit more serious than I believe what's being run in Mexico
1: the help there was great like i i tend to have a lot of complaints about stuff but i don't have a single complaint about the treatment the people there it was all great they were super helpful and i hate to say made it easy but they they made it easy.
0: Yeah, it's a significant procedure, but when you feel supported by your caretakers, then certainly it feels not as complicated or not as tough when you're in the thick of it.
1: Yeah, it was uh, just me and my wife went there, and she was able to stay the whole time, so that was helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great. What about a memorable experience for you while you were there?
1: Um, I probably meeting everyone from different parts of the world that were kinda going through the same thing.
0: Sure. So where was everyone from?
1: Uh I met some people from Canada and a few people from Holland were there and there was some people that were from Mexico, all well, one person. But there was also people from uh, other states. There was people from Utah, from Georgia that I met, from Tennessee. So it was pretty, I guess, humbling knowing that there was other people going through the same thing.
0: Sure. Well, nice to connect with others.
1: Yeah. And I, when we were in Mexico, like doing it, I was at uh, Puebla. And so they had a cafe, a restaurant in our, where we were staying. So that was kind of nice to, Everyone would get together to eat and share. That's how we got to know a lot of people.
0: It's definitely a unique aspect, I think, of any of the clinics around the world. Yeah. So did you have any doubts going into it? Like, were you really nervous about going to Mexico for treatment?
1: Uh, no, I was a little nervous about traveling, but as far as uh treatment went. I understood that there was risks, but after that, we went to that seminar and I had met the doctors and they answered whatever questions we had. I felt pretty confident.
0: Sure. So what could you offer as advice to other people that are going through an aggressive form of their disease, uh, what might you offer as advice to them based on your experience with HSCT?
1: Try to stay positive. That's a huge thing. I know it's it's definitely hard at some point, but there is hope out there that you might get better. So you got to think positive to move forward.
0: That's helpful. Thank you. What were some of your strategies to stay positive throughout your experience? Um, Because I think it is tough for some people. I think there's a lot of the disease, and again, this speaks to the invisible part of MS that can drive your brain into rumination and depression and anxiety and all the things that can keep negativity the main focus right and so finding that shift to stay positive can be really tricky for some people
1: I think what made it easier for me was all the support my wife has been real supportive with helping me do everything I mean there was a a point where I could barely even get out of bed. So I relied on her quite a bit to do things and take care of me and help me. But I've also, we had a lot of, I had a lot of help from family, mine and hers, you know, with, um, well, even... My neighbors have helped a lot because we have our own house. So there's a lot of upkeep, congress and shoveling and stuff like that. So I've, I've been able to lean on them to help out.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Which is huge.
0: Yeah, it really
1: is. Yeah, and we've had some... Things go wrong around the house, and usually my brothers or someone, my father, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they, everyone steps up to help out, which is huge.
0: Well, and it's huge for you to accept the help, right? It's not easy to ask for help or admit that you need help, and so... It's awesome that your family is so willing to help, but it's also awesome that you're willing to accept that help. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that I <clears throat> that was hard at first because I don't expect it from people. So it's kind of hard to accept help because you always think, oh, I can do that. I don't need this. I don't need that. But... So it kind of took me a little while to realize, like, hey, you've got to accept if people are willing to help.
0: That's so true. So what about a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT?
1: Um, I'd have to say patience.
0: Hmm.
1: Because without that, it's kind of, I want everything right now. You know, that's how most people act. You want something to happen right now, which doesn't always work that way. And that's when I learned that you have to be patient. And let stuff run its course.
0: So did you have that attitude, if you will, before transplant? Or this is something that definitely came on after transplant or during HSCT?
1: Uh, I kind of had it it started before. It it all started with uh, denial of the treatment because I wasn't willing to just give up. And after, I mean, it was probably three, four years that I, in between, when I found out about it and it actually happened. So I had to take it one step at a time.
0: Yeah, it's a... Long time to find that practice of patience. So, does the practice come easier for you now?
1: Um, a little bit, yeah. I guess I have more uh, faith in it, like the whole process and it works. I can't say enough about uh, care from. The people in Mexico they just made it so easy, like just going through the whole process. They were there every step of the way.
0: That's awesome. Did you have any complications when you were there?
1: Uh, no, not really. That's awesome. Um I was fortunate. Because, you know, some people did do, but I really didn't. The biggest thing that happened to me when I was there was my wife had left the room to go get food and I fell. And there was no one there, but the cleaning lady was cleaning the room next door and heard me fall. Oh, wow. So she came in right away. Now, they were the only people that didn't speak English. there. Everyone else spoke English except for the cleaning lady. But she came in, made sure it was all right, and she got... Help from the main desk or whatever downstairs and they came up, helped me get up and sit down, calm down kind of.
0: Sure. When was that? Were you neutropenic at the time? Because that is very scary.
1: No. Luckily, I wasn't neutropenic yet. That whole part of it was kind of scary, but It went smooth.
0: Yeah, I'd say anytime there's a fall, it's terrifying.
1: Yeah, it was a little rough dealing with uh, going through the chemo, like losing all your hair and everything was kind of rough. But it wasn't terrible. I keep my hair pretty short anyway, so it didn't really have too much of an effect Sure. Minus my beard falling out
0: Oh yeah, that can be troublesome A little bit So, can you tell us anything that maybe contributed to success in your experience with HSCT? Um,
1: I think well, being positive helps but you also have to eat right and exercise and listen to what they tell you. They were very informative. with uh, As far as the doctors there go, Like they would answer any questions we had. And I've, my diet has changed quite a bit. I'm pretty healthy now.
0: Yeah, what was it like before?
1: It wasn't terrible, but um, I was a smoker before, and I actually quit smoking when we were in Mexico.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: That's not easy to do.
1: Um, I When I was... The chemo started. I was pretty sick, and I figured I don't wanna have to go through this again if I don't have to.
0: That's good motivation and so you did your so, diet change like while you were in Mexico? Did you realize that eating better also contributed to helping you feel better
1: um Yes and no. I've been fortunate to where um, my diet really wasn't having a negative effect. I had been eating pretty good for the past couple of years. Like, I slowed down on the fast food, but then I just quit eating any of that junk. So I think that helped.
0: Oh, yeah. Fast food, fried food, anything fried is just like foreign to our body. Our, our body doesn't know how to handle it.
1: Yeah. And different things work for different people. Because I noticed even some of the people I met during treatment made comments about, uh, sugar had a big effect yeah. on how they felt and acted. It really doesn't affect me too much, but some of the other people were saying they noticed if they ate something sugary or unhealthy that they would pay for it for a day.
0: Mm. I th- I have the similar experience, for sure. So how has your diet improved?
1: Um, I eat a lot of vegetables and eat cleaner. My wife cooks a lot. I don't eat so much red meat. So it was kind of a big change when after being neutropenic, and they, you know, having to be careful with vegetables and stuff because I was eating a lot of fresh stuff before.
0: Yeah, that is tough.
1: So then I had to resort to eating a lot of vegetables out of cans.
0: Oh, that's a good solution.
1: Yeah, which is a big change.
0: Sure. well Are there any resources or books that you would even recommend to others?
1: Um, No, I really couldn't uh, look outside or read anything. My eyes also got pretty rough. Like I can't, I can read still, but not very long. Before I couldn't, see very well at all and my eyes were uh bouncy everything my eyes went up and down Mm. a lot so I couldn't read nothing or do much
0: sure so the presentation it sounds like in Texas really helped you feel good about everything yeah and I I'm sure there are videos out there even like video presentations by Clinica Ruiz to talk about all that they offer in Mexico.
1: Yeah. They, they, they were pretty informative when I was there. I didn't do too much research on stuff because my, my vision got better when I was there, but it's just I know this now, it's slowly getting better.
0: Good. I hope it continues to improve.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> so what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that maybe has gone unspoken?
1: Um, I'm grateful that, well, one, the family support is huge, but... As far as the treatment itself, just uh, the opportunity for things to get better. I was kind of lost as far as losing my vision and walking. I even driven since that day. Wow. So it's it's been a while. Yeah. So it's one of my goals is to be able to drive and work again. It's kind of important.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. But I do love what you're sharing, that actualization of hope, right? That just your experience with HSCT helped you to hold on to that hope that things could get better.
1: Yeah, that had a huge impact. To know that there's something out there that might work is makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, it can get very dark, right, in the hopeless desperation and despair that the disease will just continue to take you down, but HSCT offers that, that chance at at least halting progression so that you don't continue to spiral downward.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, knock on wood, it should work. It seemed to have worked. I just went for, um, some MRIs since I got back, just Last week, I got the results. I had a brain scan and neck scan and spine scan. And none of my lesions had disappeared, but there's no new ones. Wonderful. Yeah, and my neurologist has been pretty supportive. There's multiple people who have done the treatment that also go to her okay so that kind of helps
0: sure did she tell you about it before you really did the research to find it
1: um i had switched doctors in between my first doctor was kind of supportive but, again, there was no guarantees.
0: No, there never are, right? No. But hopeful. And
1: I I had met with a, a woman who had had the procedure done a year previous in Mexico, and she led me to my new doctor. So the doctor was kind of familiar with the whole process.
0: That's helpful.
1: Yeah, that was a big deal. Because I learned uh, just being in Mexico and doing the treatment, all doctors everywhere don't earn supportive of it. Right. Like I... I met a few people when I was there that had a hard time finding a doctor, because most of them don't want nothing to do with it. As soon as they hear chemo, they're like, oh, stay away from that person.
0: Yeah, I my hope is that with this podcast and even the nonprofit we've started, that more doctors will become more aware of the research out there that shows HSCT is effective at halting disease progression.
1: Yeah, from what I've heard recently, uh, Dr. Burke had stopped doing uh, the treatments in Chicago but was uh, traveling around spreading the word Yes, about at- it like he had produced some papers on it, that it works. So hopefully things are moving forward.
0: Definitely. Well, and
1: more people learn about it, yeah. like it's more protocol.
0: And that's the thing, like just bring awareness, right? If we can just talk about it and have the conversation and help people become informed, To make the right choice for them, right?
1: Yeah, because I mean, I understand it's risky and it's some people might not see that it's worth taking the risk, but you should be able to make that decision on your own. You know, everyone should at least know about it and if you want to do it then it's there
0: yes may more people find the right information it's wonderful yeah Yeah, well it's wonderful that you were able to travel to texas just to hear that presentation and be able to meet those doctors in person and and get answers to your questions to help you find the resolve to go through with it
1: yeah the the big Selling point to me was just being able to meet the doctors, and I think that would that had a lot to do with it. Sure,
0: recognizing they're professionals, and they're well trained.
1: They, after going to that seminar, they laid it out pretty well, you know, and explained the. Whole process and made us aware of the risks. And they also had um, some previous patients there mm. that can uh, tell their story and speak on it. So that to helped too. Oh yeah. To make the decision, like if it worked for him, then it might work for me.
0: Well, and just to learn that personal experience, right? I think that's part of my goal with this podcast is so that people can hear the personal experiences in going to Mexico or going to Russia, recognizing that, you know, we all struggle with our disease. But the chance, like you're saying, the hope that it could be resolved or halted, it feels more tangible when you can hear someone's story and experience going through it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. I learned about the podcast when I came back from Mexico, and I started listening to it. And I was kind of amazed, like to hear that someone had the same experiences that I did.
0: Isn't that because because you feel so isolated sometimes? when you're going through your experience and we are all unique, but it is nice to know that somewhere out there, maybe somebody is going through something at least a little similar.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm glad you found the podcast.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to be on the podcast.
0: I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just grateful for the opportunity to get my story out there. I have I a... do think it's important for other people to hear it.
0: Absolutely. I have a feeling... To
1: know that there could be an answer.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling you'll definitely inspire others.
1: Yeah, it's important.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I wish you all the best with continued healing and wellness and Oh, my gosh. To drive again someday would just be amazing. You'll have to certainly follow up and let me know when that happens. Okay. Not if, right, but when.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for that day to come.
0: Sure. Well, and to be so young, like you said, I mean, how old are you now?
1: Uh, 34.
0: Yeah. So you deserve a continued another lifetime free of disease progression, right?
1: Yeah. It's good to uh, hear that it none was uh progressing since the treatment.
0: Yeah, no activity is it, a great thing.
1: Yeah, it's reassuring. So much. I've been I've been told before that uh things hadn't progressed but this time was different
0: sure yeah yeah especially knowing that HSCT should just halt it altogether yes keep up the good work of keeping germs away that's that's very impressive that your wife had the flu and you didn't catch it
1: yeah she was uh doing lots of cleaning and we I in separate beds and just uh, try to keep it away. But I am grateful I didn't get sick.
0: Yeah, no joke. Keep up the good work of staying healthy. Thank you. Yeah, it was great talking with you. Thanks so much, Craig.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. And Thank- it's very good to uh, talk to you and share the story because it definitely helped listening to other people's experiences with HSCT once I came back.
0: I'm so glad. Keep up the good work of recovery and let's be in touch. All right. Will do. Yeah. Take good care. Thank you. Bye. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources of the HRCT Warriors Incorporated Nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Aled Souser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.